Coming up on a Monday edition of NSN Daily. We're going back to Saturday's Battleborn Showdown as the Wolfpack football team wraps up its spring work, the day's best plays, and what Coach Ken Wilson thought afterward. It's growing, so hopefully we can continue to do this the uh, next couple years. Before the big kids hit the field, it was the little ones working with a pair of Nevada greats. We have a report from the second annual youth camp put on by Joel Batonio and Austin Corbett. Robbie Snelling continuing to impress on the professional bump. The latest effort from the McQueen kid pitching in the San Diego Padres organization. And a little NBA playoff talk as the Kings and Warriors series keeps on giving. All that and more right now on NSN Daily. Hey, y'all, and welcome into our champion Chevrolet studio. He's Alex Margulies. I'm Mike Stephenson, and this is a Monday installment of NSN Daily. A beautiful weekend in the neighborhood, Alex, and a big Saturday here for us at NSN. Yeah, man. Uh, spring is finally in the air. Uh, did a little yard work yesterday, a little I. spring cleaning. Uh, it was nice to see uh, the sun out, and boy, was it a nice weekend. Saturday in that Battleborn showdown, uh, we'll go through some of the highlights of that and offer some of our thoughts uh, as we get to see uh, conclusion to the spring practice for right. the second year under head coach Ken Wilson. But this morning, Mike, we got a little breaking news when it comes to Wolfpack hoops and Nevada fans been asking, where is uh, the guys coming in from Everybody's the portal? Everybody's leaving right now. Everybody's leaving. <laughs> where, where, who's coming in? Well, Nevada has landed a big man to help fill the shoes of Will Baker. Dariah Coleman announced on his social media this morning that he is committed to the pack. He was here on a visit this weekend. And I can tell you, this kid's a beast. He clocks in seven feet tall, 220 pounds. Coleman played last season at Clarendon College, which is at the JUCO level in Texas. He averaged nine points on roughly 60% shooting from the floor. A little over eight rebounds a game while registering three and a half blocks, huge. Mike. He That's was the huge. defensive player of the year in his conference. Coleman, originally from Anchorage, Alaska, started his career at St. Francis University. He reportedly had interest from Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Oregon States and has two years of college eligibility remaining. So this will be nice, I think, to put him in there. You throw him in the mix with K.J. Himes. And, again, this is he's more of a defensive-minded center. So I think this really gives Nevada a presence inside that maybe Will Baker wasn't giving them. Of course, he was a great scorer, uh, but he was not a rebounder, not a shot blocker. Coleman certainly is going to provide some defensive stability inside. You said it, defensive player of the year last year playing J.C. Ball, average 9-8, and eight, as you mentioned. And, yeah, he provides a bit of a different force inside compared to the outgoing Will Baker, who, of course, landed at LSU. Will did a lot of great things, but more so was a finesse kind of big guy, whereas mm -hmm. it feels like Jariah Coleman is going to bring in a little bit of that muscle and maybe some of that intimidation in the paint that Nevada could surely use. And you mentioned K.J. Himes coming back. Yep. It'll be exciting to see how those two can blend together, and we hope that Himes uh, will stay healthy because yep. he showed flashes of greatness as well. So uh, Coleman, the first domino to fall, still some scholarships open, so we'll have to see if we get more news the rest of this week. Yeah, maybe some more uh, news in the coming days. We'll have to... Keep our eyes on the portal. With that said, there's a seven-footer heading to the biggest little city. I think Pac fans are happy with no that doubt. on a Monday. All yep. right, let's go back to Saturday in the Battleborn Showdown. Alex mentioned it. We got some highlights. Offense and defense throwing down in Nevada's spring game. 
Nice little crowd on hand. I mean, Great it was a crowd. beautiful day to get out to the Battleborn Showdown. Again, we had it live for you on about a Sportsnet. Alex and Mike Edwards were on the call. First play, how about Henry Ikahifo back in town and making plays on defense. Alex, in general, the defense really strong early on. Yeah, they were impressive. I mean, they took a 30-13 to 13 lead at halftime based on the way this scoring was done. How about Trey, Trey Weed, Weed from uh, Eastern Washington making a pick early, but the, the defense was flying around. Got to see that one again as number eight. Surely going to be making plays like that across the field for Nevada this year. Defense still flexing its muscle. Drew Watts not going to go anywhere as that play is blown up before it can start. The sophomore linebacker really strong in this one. Now A.J. Bianco at quarterback. He'll get hit for the sack and give it to the Douglas kid. Chris Smalley in year two making plays. The offense would wake up. It's Shane Illingworth slinging it for Jamal Bell. Credit three going back to make that snag. 69 yards, Alex. That was the big play everyone was waiting for. Yeah, you know, Bell really showed uh, some dynamic skills at wide receiver, and he will be a guy I think that will be a go-to player this upcoming season. The senior wide receiver. How about Brandon Talton, the senior kicker? 55 yards. If there's a sure thing on this team, it is probably number 43. More defense, though, as uh, Lewis and the offense had it third and goal inside the five, but it's blown up by Andani Fiesenmayer, a freshman from Elko, making a play. Talk about Love making it. plays. Second half, Bianco for Delvon Campbell. That might have been the throw and catch of the day. Yeah, no, that was impressive. And you can see the arm that uh, Bianco's gotten. Campbell, he's another guy that I think could have a big season on the outside for the pack. Sticky hands. Moments later, Bianco will sling it over to Victor Snow. He's forecasting six points. <laughs> a second uh, a touchdown pass there for Bianco as Victor does the work with his legs. The defense led for a while on this one. Offense closing, this, closing the gap. Here's the Colorado transfer, Brendan Lewis. A lot of folks excited to see what two can do at quarterback. Showing the legs there. He's like, all right, that's a first down. They might, blew that one dead. Might have sure, been more. I'm not sure anyone's taking him down there. Exactly, though. yeah. That drive finishes with Ashton Hayes, the McQueen slash Damani product back from Cal. Transfers making their presence felt in this one, Alex. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, you add Jackson LeDuc at linebacker. You saw Hayes there, Lewis uh, getting a lot of reps at quarterback. So there's a lot of exciting talent that's been inserted into the mix. And it, you, got, you got to love seeing that local flair, too. Exactly. 37-36, offense gets the win. Here's Coach Ken Wilson and some of the players talking afterward. The biggest thing is keep everybody healthy at this point. You start spring and you're flying around. You get to this point, you just want to get them a, a really good competition. You want to get out healthy so they can get on Monday to lift and get onto the season. We had uh, a clean scrimmage uh, health-wise. We had a lot of stuff to clean up. Our, our tempo wasn't good. We had a, a true uh, Pac-12 and mixed officiating crew out here today. We had true tempo of a game. And we had some delays and we had an offside, some stuff like that that are things we have to work on through fall camp and get better at. But I thought the competition was good. The game was relatively close. The defense went out early and then the offense came back. And so that's what you want, right? You want to kind of be happy and mad at the same time on both sides of the ball. Uh, I think today we played fast, we played physical. That was a big emphasis today was just go out there, have fun and play fast and physical. And I think we did that and we showed that in the first half when it was live. We're just going to go out there and play. A lot of our players are coming back and we're really comfortable in the scheme now. So now it's about making plays and just going out there and putting it on tape. Eyes, my eyes and hands, for real. That's that's really what I've been trying to work on the most. And just um, trusting trusting the quarterback where it's going, um, where the ball is going to be at. So I'm just I'm just happy. Like I'm I'm um, focused on on my um, fundamentals, and it just led me to the promised land. It was awesome. You know, getting into the end zone definitely was one of my goals today. Um, just for the hometown fans, and and you know, 
being able to, to score a welcome back touchdown was, was pretty awesome. And then, you know, just getting out there with my team for the first time was also was also really great because, you know, it's the first time you get to see these guys in live action. And I know we've had scrimmages, but the notch was definitely turned up today, you know, with the fans being here and people's families and everybody's trying to show out individually. So I think it was a great showing for, for the first time. Team as a total, I just feel like we were more, uh, we had more uh, leadership. Uh, we have just more players are stepping up in a row that they need to step in, step up into, and um, that's pretty much it. Just coaching, good coaching as well. Um, that's about it. All right, so a lot to debrief on the Battleborn Showdown. Again, Alex and Mike Edwards were on the call. We were thrilled to be out there for each and every play. They only get 15 practices in the spring, so it is a relatively small sample size, mm -hmm. but I know a lot of eyeballs were on that quarterback competition. Yeah. I'm not sure what was answered in the Battleborn Showdown. Well, it was hard to kind of evaluate the quarterbacks, because honestly, I don't think the union played all that well, yeah. and so there was a lot of defensive pressure. Maybe give credit to the Wolfpack defense as well, but we did see some flashes. You can see the legs from Lewis as he was able to extend some plays and, and – we showed you that highlight where they kind of whistled it dead because, of course, you're not going to have contact yeah, on the quarterback. Touched, right? But he, he's a dual-threat guy, and I, all, all of these guys. are. I mean, Shane Illingworth, we saw him take off and run a couple times. I thought he looked uh, strong at times in this game, and, and Shane, of course, had that pass to Jamal Bell, which was broken off uh, for the touchdown. You saw Bianco make some passes. So one thing is clear, there is a lot more competition this year at quarterback than what we saw a year ago, and I think Nevada has got a couple capable guys out there. It's going to be very interesting to see uh, who wins this jump come fall. Obviously, Lewis got the start uh, in the spring game, so it looks like maybe he's got that edge, but uh, there was a lot to see from Illingworth and uh, Bianco as well. That's the thing. I feel like uh, Coach Wilson and quarterback coach Nate Costa have a good problem on their hands where yeah. you have a few guys that you could probably trust to throw out there. The summer will be huge as they get their individual work in now with each other, and then we'll see mm -hmm. uh, come the fall what that depth chart looks like. I wouldn't be surprised if in week one, especially at USC, that they all maybe get a little opportunity maybe. to see what they can do. But yeah. you mentioned Illingworth. Felt like he was the one that kind of broke the seal with that pass to Bell and kind of got things cooking for Nevada's offense. So uh, don't count out Illingworth quite yet, I would say. But uh, Lewis, there's a reason they brought him here, and he showed a little bit of that. Too. Yeah, and it'll be interesting, I think, where some of the separation might occur in the summertime is, is leadership. Yeah. You know, who, who kind of garners that respect from the locker room and can, can kind of take control and lead this team. And, and uh, it's not something you're going to get just in a short sample size, but we've got five months basically between now, yep. uh, a little bit less than five months between now and that kickoff uh, against USC. So it'll be interesting to see how that quarterback battle develops uh, over the next couple of months. And I thought it was also interesting, got to see Jax Leatherwood out there. The 17-year-olds right. uh, did get a little playing time as well, Baylor Horning. Uh, got in towards the end of the game. So uh, all, all, six, kid, all six of those quarterbacks got into the game. That's pretty good stuff. And so whoever's playing that quarterback is going to be happy to have number three to throw to because Jamal Bell proving to be a force. That 69-yard touchdown, he had five catches in the Battleborn Showdown going for almost 140 yards. You heard from him in the soundbite. Jamal Bell, uh, there's going to be a lot of balls thrown his way, I'm guessing. Yeah, and this is a guy that earlier in his career was used mostly as a kick returner. Um, you know, he had some good games last year, but he showed an explosive ability out there. I mean, the way that he had that run after the catch there, he, he set up what should have been a Wolfpack touchdown later in the game. That's where we saw the stop from Fessenmeyer and the Wolfpack defense was able to bow up and turn away the Wolfpack offense. Uh, but I think, Bell, you saw uh, maybe the most explosive offensive player that we saw on the field. And again, maybe that has to do with the offensive line because we didn't see uh, you know, ton, you know, from the running backs in terms of getting space yeah. and, and getting uh, some holes to kind of work with. But uh, I think if you're looking at the Wolfpack offense, Jamal Bell is a guy who stood out to me.
Definitely still a microscope on the union for sure. If we go to the other side, if it was Jamal Bell standing out on offense, it had to be Drew Watts standing out on defense. And he did it as a redshirt freshman last year, an All-Mountain West honorable mention pick. Boy, he was in the backfield almost every play, it felt like. Yeah, Drew Watts, I, I think this kid's going to be special by the time his career at Nevada is all said and done. I mean, he, he is really uh, taking uh, the reins, you know, of that unit. And, that. and you take Ooh. him and... You know, you add Jackson LeDuc into the mix. All of a sudden, this linebacking core, which last year was young and inexperienced, you've got Jackson LeDuc, you've got Drew Watts, Naki Mateolona uh, brings some more experience. They've shifted Chris Smalley more into kind of like an outside linebacker, hand off the ground uh, type of position. So I think that linebacking group, uh, you know, from last year to this year might be one of the most, exp uh, more, most improved groups just because of that playing time and being able uh, to you know, get more of those guys out there. And then you look at the defensive secondary. This is an extremely experienced group. Asissima, Trey Weed, who brings in over 50 games of college football to his career. We saw him uh, make the, the interception, the Eastern Washington uh, transfer. You look at Jaden Dedman's played a ton of games yeah. for Nevada, Imani Johnson. So the back half of Nevada's defense, a lot of experience. The front, uh, the defensive line, that's where there's going to be uh, an interesting deal as to who is going to step up there in the absence of losing a guy like Don Peterson. Yep. You know, he was the anchor of that defensive line. Who is it going to be uh, come September this year for this team? And the hope is to keep the defense off the field as much as possible so the offense will have a lot on their shoulders in terms of sustaining drives. As we now look ahead to the season opener, it is September 2nd at USC. Next on NSN Daily, the Warriors and the Kings giving us a heck of a first-round series. We'll go back to last night's game four and look ahead to the rest of the NBA playoffs. That's coming up next on Daily. All right, back here on NSN Daily from inside our champion Chevrolet studio. Mike, we were pumped up for this Warriors-Kings series, and it is not disappointing. I know there were some that thought the defending champs would have their way as mm. the Kings return to the playoffs, but no, Mike Brown has Sacramento believing. Yeah, let's take things to the <laughs> tape. Sunday's Game 4 will pick it up. End of the third quarter, Warriors trail by as many as nine in the first half, but a monster 38-point third quarter wow. capped off by a buzzer-beating three from Klay Thompson. Warriors ahead by 10, but the Kings come out swinging to open the fourth. A 7-0 run capped off by a triple from Keegan Murray. Let's go back to the Splash Brothers. Curry from downtown, part of a 32-point performance, hit five from the outside. Then it was Clay. He had 26, and the Warriors led by five. But De'Aaron Fox went beast mode in the fourth quarter. Barry's one from deep. 30 seconds left, and it's a one-point game. The Kings would get a stop. They would have a chance to win this thing. Harrison Barnes against his former team spots up but it was just off the mark, and the Warriors survive a thriller. 126-125. The series now tied two games apiece. Uh, man, they, yeah, they're the champions. We, we got to bring it. If we don't bring it, we're going to get beat. Uh, there's, there's no tricks. They, there's no message I can give them. I'm just, I got to tell them. They, they, they know. Right? I'm telling them the truth. We can't have mental breakdowns like we did in, in the fourth quarter uh, with our game plan. We can't uh, waste possessions by jumping into bodies and begging for fouls. And we got to continue to play at the pace that we're playing, uh, but just make sure we're a little bit smarter in the half court and the full court while keeping these guys off the glass. I mean, it's simple. Hey, they're, they're a good team. They're, they're, they're going to make shots. We're, we're not going to be able to stop Steph Curry from making shots. 
you know, you just got to make him work as hard as he can uh, to, to get his looks uh, from the floor. And some inter interesting news we just got. De'Aaron Fox has fractured the mm. tip of his left index finger. Oof. They're saying he's doubtful for Game 5 Wednesday back in Sacramento. That's brutal. You, you got to think he at least tries. That's probably a pain management mm. sort of uh, instance. But, man, he is a lefty. I mean, anything that's going to kind of derail his shooting is, is a problem. I mean, 38 points in this game. De'Aaron Fox has been everything to the Kings. Yeah. And he has been one of the top players in the Western Conference and just so clutch. You saw the three that he hit late in the game. For the Kings, I think they have to feel pretty good that they at least competed in, in, in Golden State because they did not look good in game three. Uh, obviously, home court has been a big advantage so far in this series, and the Kings will have home court advantage in this seven-game series. But you're talking about losing Fox. I mean, that, that could be a, a real deal-breaker. You certainly hope for that franchise, for De'Aaron Fox, that it's something he can play through because that would be such a shame uh, for their season to get derailed by an injury like that at this Especially time of the year. tip of your index finger, something that... That can't be comfortable. That's the thing. I mean, you're, you're a bigger, better shooter than me, so I don't know how that works. <laughs> well, but, I don't uh, know what kind of pain management you can do with that or what kind of medication you can give him, but if you numb it, I mean, mm. that's got to be... You want to be able to feel yeah, that coming off the ball. Yeah, what kind of feel you going to have off of that? So you got to think he's going to be hindered in some way. Mm. You wonder how much. Maybe they can tape it up, wrap it up, give him a little shot here and there. I don't know. But if De'Aaron Fox isn't on the court, you got to think that Sacramento doesn't have a chance. No. With that said, each team has held its home court up to this point. It was funny. Mike Brown was like, they're, they're the champs. What like, are you going to do? The you you like, got to chalk it up. Right? But that was a game that, like you said, Sacramento had it right there for the taking. A yeah. chance to go and up. Look, uh, hey, look, you're on the road against Steph Curry and Klay Thompson as well as they were playing. Mm -hmm. Those guys hitting shots. And you give yourself a chance to hit a game-winning shot you kind of tip your cap and you walk out of the building and you say, all right, we'll see you back in Sacramento. I mean, I think yeah. if you're the Kings, you have to feel very good about the way that they competed. Right. You know Harrison Barnes would have loved mm. to have seen that one go through. He Man. had just missed one How crazy would that have virtually been? the same spot right before that. It would have been nuts. What a difference maker, though. The Kings get that shot right there, and that's the, the series. That could be the series right there. Yep. Now, all of a sudden, it's back into a wide-open deal. Again, Kings do have home court advantage, right. but – What's up with Fox? I mean, that's going to be that's going to be very telling. That's why we love the NBA playoffs. I'll take three more of those games. That's for sure. <laughs> yes, and we do have a pair of game fours tonight, starting in the East with Miami hosting Milwaukee. Giannis Antetokounmpo returning for the Bucks. He has missed virtually the whole series with a lower back injury. The Heat leads that two to one. And in the West, the Grizzlies and the Lakers throwing down from Los Angeles. Lakers looking to take a commanding three-one series lead after winning Saturday's game three. We'll have to see what happens with two more games again tonight in the NBA playoffs as they continue to round things out. Of course, the Sixers advancing, uh, only team in the second round as of now. So we'll have to see what else comes down the pipe. Yeah, and going back to Miami, how about the way that uh, Caleb Martin has been playing? Yeah, you look call. at his three games, he had 15 in the first game, 15 in game two, 12 with 11 rebounds uh, in game three. So he has certainly uh, been very comfortable in the postseason, his average on the year is 9.6. So he's, he's well above his season average in terms of scoring. And uh, the Heat are going to need Caleb Martin to, to yeah. continue to play well against, against the Bucks. That's a Miami team that nearly got bounced out of the play-in portion of mm -hmm. the postseason and now finds itself on the brink of maybe upending Milwaukee, which does get, of course, Giannis back tonight, mm. though. That'll big certainly shift things yeah. quite literally a big difference maker. So we'll see how things go between Miami and Milwaukee. All right, let's shift to a little bit of uh, different basketball news. And in the Mountain West, how about Utah State? Uh, this has been a program really spiraling after Ryan Odom took off to VCU. And 
How about a couple of veteran players, Max Shulga and Sean Bairstow, joining Ryan Odom at VCU. Now, Odom did bring some former players to UMBC to Logan when he came to Utah State. The Aggies now without several key starters from last year's team as uh, both Shulga and uh, Bearstow going to VCU and of course Stephen Ashworth committing to Creighton uh, last week. So a very, very different looking team uh, going to be playing in Logan next year. And it's just one of those interesting things right now, Mike, in college basketball, the era of the transfer portal. Not only do you see coaches leave, but this is becoming more common, just like we saw with uh, Nevada football. You know, Jay Norvell uh, goes right. to Colorado State. A bunch of players go with him. And in this case, Ryan Odom goes to VCU and he takes his two best players with him. Of course, Ashworth had already committed to Creighton, but the best two remaining guys are going with him to VCU. And it's got to be tough for a fan base. I know how Nevada fans, of course, felt, and it was different because it was in conference. But if you're a fan in Logan right now, you got to be kind of sick to your stomach right now seeing not only your coach leave, but all three of your yep. star players going and two of them with your head coach. You said it. It was really harsh here considering Jay Norvell was the first ever Mountain West coach to leave for a, another Mountain West job. And then he brought all those players to now compete against Nevada. A little bit of a different circumstance here. But as mm -hmm. you said, if you are an Aggie faithful, you got to be like, man, what the Dang. heck? Had this great year back in the NCAA tournament. And then our coach is gone. And now three of our best players are gone. If you are those, if you're talking about those players, you cannot blame them, obviously, mm -hmm. because they really wanted to play for Coach Odom. Now he moves on and they still have the chance to play for him. And so it's quite a move to mm -hmm. move essentially across the country. But that is the nature of the game now as yeah. coaches and players really have free reign. Well, it's interesting. I mean, and for Utah State, they've done this before. They've been able to retool and reload. But you're going to have to think that they're going to take a big step down yeah. in the Mountain West Conference next season. When you look at the way the transfer portal has played out, New Mexico has done a phenomenal job adding several star players to their roster, of course, San Diego State's going to be back where they were. Boise State has added some big names are gonna be out, of the, out of the portal. And now Nevada getting a seven-footer. And, and we're hearing they've got a few other guys that they're working on right now. And so there's no reason to think that the Wolfpack aren't going to be in the mix uh, for a top-four spot. But I think when you look at Utah State, you'd be hard-pressed, I think, to think that they're going to stay in the upper echelon of the Mountain West Conference next yeah. year, especially after losing these three guys. Definitely agree there. Danny Sprinkle proven to be a, a heck of a head coach at Montana State. His alma mater led him to the dance back-to-back -back mm -hmm. years, but he's used to recruiting the Big Sky Conference. He's not used to recruiting the Mountain West Conference, at least not extensively, at least not for the last few years. So he's got to hit the ground running mm -hmm. trying to fill a roster, and you got to think – Here's this new guy in town. He's not going to be getting top-tier players, you would assume. With that said, I do trust that he'll put a competitive so say, team you're, out you, there. You're, you're a big fan of Sprinkle. Yeah, I mean, I love – yeah, no, I covered you, Montana kind of and Montana State. And, 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 yeah, he really did a great job with the Bobcats. It's the reason he got this job at Utah mm -hmm. State where the Aggies, you know, they don't want to take a step down. And so that's a big hire for them. Going to be hard to think that they'll be as competitive as they were this year in his first season, though. I mean, that's just the nature of the game. He'll have a nice little squad there in Logan before too long, but there's a, there's a lot to fill when it comes to this next season. All right, it's coming up next on NSN Daily. We're going to head back to campus, talk a little Wolfpack baseball and softball. Both teams hitting the road last week to continue Mountain West play. We'll recap how they did and look ahead to this weekend. Coming up. Welcome back to NSN Daily. Alex and Mike here with you on a Monday. The Wolfpack baseball team stepping out of conference this week, hosting Sacramento State, Long Beach State, and Grand Canyon. This following a series loss over the weekend at San Diego State. The Aztecs taking two of three from Nevada, and Friday's was forgettable. The pack was no hit 
by TJ Fontaine in a 4-0 loss. The silver and blue avoiding the sweep as you see them celebrating in San Diego. Fontaine getting the no-no on the Wolfpack. Nevada did avoid the sweep Sunday, though. 10-4 was that final with Jesse Pierce and Dawson Martin hitting home runs for Nevada. Not a great look, though, when you get no hit, Alex. No, and it was uh, a pretty historic one for San Diego State. I think it was the first time since 2009. Wow. So it's been quite a long time uh, for that program. And, you know, it's always a special moment in the game of baseball when, when you can uh, put together a no-hitter. It's it, it, You know, it's one of those things you just kind of have to tip your cap yeah. uh, sometime. But certainly you never want to be on that end uh, of a no-hitter. But I'm glad the Wolfpack were able to go out and, and at least salvage a win out of the series and, and get a little – uh, time to now step out right. uh, of conference play and, and some really quality uh, non-conference opponents uh, coming up to Don Weir Field this weekend. Yeah, and this was a team coming off of a nice series win over Air Force. So then to go to San Diego State and get no hit in that first game and then turn around, score some runs in game two and then get the Big mm -hmm. Ten run scoring in uh, game three and get that series or get that win. Uh, was a nice bounce back for Jake McKinley's team, which again, as Alex said, returns home this week for some non-conference action. And we're going to have some games on Nevada Sportsnet Tuesday against Sacramento State, Saturday against Grand Canyon, and Sunday against Long Beach State. So three different opponents mixed in with some Aces broadcasts as well. You can see Jake McKinley's squad up close on Nevada Sportsnet. Yeah, I love all these live games here on NSN and... Uh couple more weeks here of Wolfpack Baseball. We have a little softball back on the air yep. uh, next weekend as well. So uh, excited uh, about that. Uh, speaking of Wolfpack Softball up in Central California, Wolfpack Softball team, a rough weekend against Fresno State. Nevada was swept there in a three-game series. They will drop to a record of 7-9 and nine on the year in Mountain West Conference play. The ladies are off until Friday. They'll start an away series in Albuquerque against the Lobos. That will be an important series for Nevada, who now sits in sixth place in conference. That's a very important cut line, Mike. The top six teams at the end of the regular season will earn a spot in the revamped Mountain West Conference softball tournament, which is back this year. That will be the automatic bid to get into an NCAA regional. Nevada just a one-game edge right now on UNLV and Utah State uh, with six games left in the conference season. Again, they will... Uh, hit the road to Albuquerque this weekend. Ladies will finish the season at home against Colorado State and a series at home uh, against Idaho State, a little two-gamer uh, doubleheader in between. But uh, certainly not the position they want to be in, especially the way that they started the season. Yeah, that was the first Mountain West sweep of the year that Nevada took. And it's a tough one considering Linda Garza is the former head coach of Fresno State. So, you know, Coach Garza wanted to go back to her hometown and play well, and Nevada comes back with three uh, critical losses to the Bulldogs. So we'll see what this squad has in terms of a bounce back. Some time off, as you mentioned, before mm -hmm. playing again on Friday, but that is, again, once uh, back on the road. Sure. And so it's been a while since Nevada's had some home cooking. They have proven to play well at Hickson Park. Going to need to take that game with them on the road. I know Coach Garza was hoping they would at least get one against yeah. her former team, a team that she led to over 160 wins over five seasons. But such was not the case as the Bulldogs get mm -hmm. the sweep. Wolfpack with a little bit of drama now with a yeah. few weeks left in the they season. they got to play well down the stretch. And the good news is, I mean, they are going on the road to Albuquerque. But New Mexico is the last place team right in the Mount, right now in the Mountain West Conference. So in terms of records, this should be a series where on paper Nevada can go down there and and get uh, get some wins and, and get a little bit boosted above yep. Utah State uh, and UNLV and maybe take the pressure off of themselves a little bit 
uh, heading into that final weekend against Colorado State. So certainly every game from here on out is critical if they want to get into that tournament. And that's all you want. You know, you want that, that shot. Get in. Because you get in, and again, whoever wins that tournament down in San Diego, that's the automatic bid uh, to go into the NCAA regionals. Nevada has to feel confident if they can get into that tournament that they can make some noise there. They've beaten the top two teams yep. in the league. They beat San Diego State. They've beaten Boise State. So in a conference setting, in a tournament setting where anything could happen, I'm sure they feel like they can go down there and, and do something uh, in San Diego, but you got to make the tournament first. Yeah, I'm sure this weekend in Fresno was a bit of a blow to the team considering they hadn't been swept. They hadn't lost three in a row in a long time. With that said, we've spent enough time around them this year to know mm -hmm. that they have it's a lot a of confidence group. and they know what yeah. they're capable of. And you mentioned that week in which they played Boise State and San Diego State in the same week. I mean, what a gauntlet of a week that was. Mm -hmm. They come out of that two and two. That had to give them a lot of confidence knowing that uh, if they, as, as long as they get in, as you mm -hmm. said, they can make some serious noise. Glad they brought the uh, Mountain West tournament back. In I softball. do too. I think it's a good decision. I, I like, you know, I think the intention is you have a tournament and maybe that helps you get two teams in. Like if you've got a regular season, champion that's good enough you obviously have to raise the stock of the entire conference but there is the drama over uh you know conference tournament i think if you're nevada you're happy it's back because you know you haven't had a great regular season you're in the top half of the league but you have a chance to go down there and you play great softball for one week and that's going to get you yep. in uh to an ncaa regional so uh again it, it, for that group you just hope they get in so they get the opportunity um, and, you know, we'll see what they can do over the final stretch of the season. Well, we talked about Wolfpack Baseball on Nevada Sportsnet. We will have some upcoming softball games as well, including those games against Idaho State, yep. and I think some of those Colorado State games will make it on our airwaves as well. So plenty of uh, chances to see Linda Garza's team here on Nevada Sportsnet. In the meantime, next on NSN Daily on this Monday, we're going to go back to the spring game from Saturday. You know, before the Wolfpack took the field, it was the next generation of local athletes invading Mackey Stadium, led by two greats. Joel Batonio and Austin Corbett corralling 500 kids for their second annual youth camp. We have a full recap with Nevada Sportsnet's Nikki Pika. That is next on NSN Daily. Welcome back to NSN Daily. Before Saturday's Battleborn showdown, hundreds of area kids taking to Chris Altfield at Mackey Stadium for the second installment of Joel Batonio and Austin Corbett's free youth camp. Nevada Sportsnet's Nikki Pika was also there. Spring football comes to a conclusion in the biggest little city. On Saturday, the Wolfpack took to the field for the Battleborn Showdown spring game. But before that, nearly 500 kids took to the turf. Joel Batonio and Austin Corbett host their second annual youth football camp. Kids had a great time. We had a great time. It was a little jump up from last year, but uh, it was organized. The kids had a good time. We signed some autographs. Uh, we had a little 40 race at the end um, to see who was the fastest camper. So um, I think everybody had a good time, and, and uh, it's growing. So hopefully we can continue to do this the uh, next couple years. Batonio and Corbett made sure to make this camp available to any kid between third and eighth grade by making it free of charge. We're obviously, both of us are very blessed uh, with what we do, and, and there, there's no reason to be coming out here. Uh, we, we can take care of it. We can provide a lot of opportunities for a lot of families that, that, that don't really get many opportunities. And uh, for us to be able to do that and just help out, just not have to think about it, just come out here and enjoy the day. No matter what, all you have to do is, you know, just get yourself here and it's all gonna be taken care of. Nine stations were set up by age, consisting of drills and mini games. But more importantly, it's about the kids. And how much fun did they actually have? We asked camper Brandon Baker. Out of a 10, I'll rate it 10 out of 10. 
Not only was this kids camp a contribution made to Nevada from its alumni, but Batonio made a large donation to the athletics department, funding a new weight room. Yeah, it's been a great weekend. Um, you know, Nevada was first class all weekend, setting up the little ceremony yesterday and then allowing us to do the youth camp before the spring game. We're passionate about, you know, Nevada athletics and Nevada football as well. So we're very happy to help support it and we're just, you know, honored to be, uh, be back home. Wolfpack fans now look forward to the fall and will wait anxiously for the team to take the field in early September. At Mackey Stadium, Nikki Pika, Nevada Sportsnet. All right, thanks to Nikki for that. And as she was talking about, and you heard a little bit from Joel, uh, the incredible uh, ceremony on Friday night, Mike, as uh, we get a chance to get our first look inside the newly renovated Batonio Family Strength and Conditioning Center. And uh, what did, oh, just an amazing uh, gesture from him and his wife, Courtney. Uh, the duo made a donation of $1 million uh, to help support this project. Batonio, of course, uh, the legends at Nevada, graduated in 2014. He was a second round pick by the Cleveland Browns, 35th overall, and he has turned into uh, one of the best players in the NFL and uh, building what may turn out to be a Hall of Fame career. I mean, you're talking about a two-time All-Pro, a five-time Pro Bowler, and he has spent his entire career uh, with the Cleveland Browns. And certainly this is a huge deal uh, for the Wolfpack, you can see all the brand new equipment in there. I mean, Beautiful. this is one of those deals, especially in football, you've got to have the latest and greatest when it comes to your strength and conditioning facility, when it comes to that equipment. And, you know, Nevada has maybe kind of fallen behind in recent years. And so this certainly helps kind of get them caught back up. And I know a lot of people around the program, I mean, they're very appreciative about what this means uh, we saw a lot of uh, former players. We saw Coach Alt out there, and it was just a great celebration uh, of Wolfpack football. I mean, look at that. Look at that shot of guys. Uh, <laughs> you can see a lot of familiar faces in that photo as well, and, and uh, it was a really good week. And it was a lot of fun having uh, Corbett and Batonio here in studio. I know you enjoyed uh, spending time with them and uh, Chris Barker on Friday. Yeah, how about Ryan Radke? He was out there, I know too. Rad's, you Rad's know it's a big deal bench, when yeah. Radke's on the They call bike. Radke off the bench <laughs> out, of, out of a Wolfpack retirement Bring in the voice, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, but yeah, you said it. We had Joel and Austin here on Friday uh, right after the big announcement came down, and we had so much fun with those guys. We played Big Jenga. Uh, Christian Barker, you mentioned, was here as well. Between, between he and Austin, we're talking three three Super Bowl rings. Like you said, you um, felt very well protected. I felt very well protected <laughs> sitting here on the desk with three enormous offensive linemen. Probably won't ever feel more protected in this studio. But we had we did a lot with those guys that you can see at NevadaSportsNet.com. We talked, of course, the donation with Joel, and then we talked much more candidly with all three of them about all things football. You know, Christian had a great little anecdote that he and Tom Brady actually shared a birthday together. So when they're hmm. on the Patriots, they sung, they sang happy birthday to both of them together. Can you imagine having happy birthday sung with you and Tom That's Brady good company together? to I mean, be in, yeah. I don't know if it'll ever get better than that. So that was a fun <laughs> little tidbit. So you can see all that content at NevadaSportsNet.com. So cool to see Joel hosting this free camp and the energy it took to do that with Austin mm -hmm. and knowing that the night before he had donated a million dollars to his alma mater, which is something that he probably could have never fathomed being able to do. Um, just an amazing moment. And it shows just how important the Wolfpack is to, to Joel. Yeah, and, and I think this hopefully is a big Kickstarter for the football program and really even just for the athletic department overall for more alums uh, or just business leaders and folks in our community to, to continue to step up 
to help support Nevada athletics because this is what it's going to take in order for Nevada to compete uh, at the highest level. I yeah. mean, we all know it's an arms race right now when it comes to college athletics and college football especially. And so these types of donations are critical uh, for the university. They're critical for the athletic department. And so hopefully, again, you know, somebody sees that million dollars and wants to feel a little galvanized to kind of jump in and, and maybe throw some money into the pot mm-hmm. as well because there is still a lot, a long way to go when it comes to making both uh, the kind of adjustments in terms of physically with, right. with buildings and, and all those kinds of things, but even just funding uh, for the programs. And then, of course, there's NIL, and that's the, the, the new big thing is, you know, making sure that, uh, you know, the players are able to be compensated in the way that they're going to need to be to be competitive. That's the thing. It goes without saying that money talks in college athletics, yeah. especially nowadays. It kind of always has, I think. But you could see that, you know, Batonio putting this money into this, the weight room was very calculated because that's he knows just how significant <laughs> yep. that aspect is for any team. Strength and conditioning is the foundation of any squad. But he also said, I know this will help in recruiting, too, to see yep. this beautiful facility, to know there's a potential Hall of Famer that was behind that mm-hmm. facility and all the success he's had in the NFL. He didn't forget about where he yep. came from and the opportunity Nevada gave him. And so now he wants to be able to give that opportunity to the next generation of Wolfpack athletes. So to know that his name will be on that center for years and years and decades and mm-hmm. generations to come, got to be pretty cool if you're part of the Batonio family. We saw Ramon Sessions also donate a million dollars and that has totally spruced up Nevada basketball's facilities. So Nice to see the successful alums make their way back and, and open up the wallets a little bit. We couldn't help but nudge Corbett a little bit when he was here. We're like, hey, you up next, you buddy? Up next, bud? And uh, he had a big smile on his face. Maybe we'll see. He did get a pretty nice contract from the Panthers. Maybe, maybe we'll wait for one more Give him a few more deal. years and uh, uh, maybe, maybe that's time next, yeah. next contract comes around. <laughs> so we could see it in a, maybe in addition, yeah. the, the Batonio and Corbett's yeah. uh, performance center there. <laughs> the Corbett ice bath or something. There you go. Uh, <laughs> All right, coming up next on NSN Daily, as it starts to feel spring-like outside, we got to check in on the boys of summer. The latest with the Reno Aces and our Northern Nevada professional prospects. That's next on Daily. Back here on NSN Daily with Mike Stephenson. I'm Alex Margulies. The Reno Aces return to the biggest little city this week, kicking off a six-game homestand against the Sugarland Space Cowboys on Tuesday. Mike, I know you're a big Space Cowboy guy. <laughs> Formerly the Skeeters. Formerly the Skeeters. You're right about that. So the team is riding high coming back into town after taking five of six on the road against Salt Lake. Let's show you how the series finished up yesterday against the Bees. Top of the first inning, Aces set the tone on offense. Dominic Fletcher. Rips the double down into the left field corner, and the Aces are in business. Later on in the inning, one run already home. Phillip Evans smacks one down the line. That will score Emmanuel Rivera. The Aces grab the early lead, and that would be more than enough to support a dominant pitching effort by a host of players led by Rafi Vizcaino. He was making his AAA debut. He was dealing. Tossed two hitless innings in relief. The 27-year-old from the Dominican Republic Getting in line for the win and uh, pretty nicely done coming up from double A. That would support things for the pitching side and it was Evans leading the offense. We go to the fifth inning, the exclamation point. Evans, a three-run blast to dead center field. It capped off an impressive series. He went 14 of 22 at the plates. Reno blanks Salt Lake to the tune of an 8-0 final. As we talked about earlier, a couple Aces games as part of that six-game homestand will be 
on Nevada Sports Net. Wednesday afternoon's contest against the Space Cowboys. That one will have a first pitch at noon. Thursday's game at 6.05 also on Nevada Sports Net. If you want to see a full schedule of games, get your tickets. You can get those online at RenoAces.com. I saw Saturday supposed to be like 87 in the neighborhood. Yeah, buddy. Mm, nice go. week to get out to GNF, Come on. Baby. All right, across the hill into California, it was Robbie Snelling picking up his first professional win Friday for single-A affiliate Lake Elsinore, the Storm. The McQueen alum with six strikeouts in five innings of work, giving up just one run as he continues a great start to his affiliate professional career pitching for Lake Elsinore. In total now, three starts and just one run given up. His first two starts, he went three innings each. This one, he goes five and gets the win. Look at him taking the hat off in a hurry. Not pictured, Spanish Springs grad Jay Savina hitting his first home run of the year Sunday for the Carolina Mudcats. Mud so between those two, obviously such great names in minor league so, uh, baseball. Snelling did that against my former team, the Modesto Nuts. Daddy did. I was just you used to be the there. voice of the, the voice of the nuts. nuts. That is my claim to fame. Yes. <laughs> Put it on the resume. Put it on my headstone. At, some point. at one time was the voice <laughs> of the nuts. Yeah, no, Snelling's looking good. Put he's, that on your lower third. And you can just watch him in the video. I mean, he's he's big, he's powerful, he's strong. Confident. Yeah. To think what he's going to be able to do when he continues to grow into that man strength, like get into 20, 21, 22. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun he's to watch his, his career Ooh. continue. Uh, to go. All right, so we're going to wrap up the show down at the Legends Bay Lounge. We're going to talk about some new rule changes to college football and a big splash in the NFL. A trade that has been tinkering for a while has finally gone through. We'll talk about that as we wrap things up. Welcome back to NSN Daily. Alongside Alex Margulies, I'm Mike Stephenson. We're in the Legends Bay Lounge, powered by Circus Sports. Wanted to quickly let you know on our Nevada Sportsnet Twitter page, we have our weekly poll question. We are asking you, who impressed you the most at the Battleborn Showdown? We have identified four players. We would like you to pick the one you liked the most, and we'll talk about it tomorrow on the show. Also, we're about to talk about some new rule changes that mm. the NCAA approved. It will affect the Wolfpack this upcoming season, including, Alex, no clock stoppages on first downs. I love this. I mean, I just think the college game takes too long, and yeah. this is one of the reasons you normally stop the clock after a first down. This will keep things moving. However, within the last two minutes of each half, they will then allow the stoppage at first downs. I do like that because I think during those two-minute deals, those crunch times, that's important. I like this rule change. Yeah. This is good. And there's a couple others. Uh, no consecutive timeouts are allowed, which okay. that has been a rule in the NFL. Ice, you know, you don't want to do the whole deal with icing or just like back timeout, back. timeout. Okay, I like and that. And no more untimed downs in the first and third quarter. So okay. all kind of just trying to speed the game up. I, I mean, look, I have said this for a long time. We need to speed up the game of football. We can't have these three, three and a half, four hour games. So I think baseball has made some efforts to speed the game up. I like that we're looking at trying to uh, speed up the game as well. And it has them That's a little good. more aligned with the program. Yeah. Program. We should note that these changes are not occurring in Division Three. Okay. But they are occurring in Division One and Division Two. All right. We teased this going into this segment, Mike. But some breaking news uh, in the NFL: Aaron Rodgers now a member of the New York Jets. The trade has gone through. They'll swap first-round picks. Uh, it looks like the Packers will also uh, get themselves what a fifth-round pick. Yep. So, or the the Packers get a fifth round pick, and uh, Rodgers is a Jet, finishing his career potentially, just like Brett Favre did. As a Vikings fan, I'm just happy he's out of the <laughs> NFC North. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow see on guys. Daily. <laughs>